Welcome to Under the Fig Tree Podcast. In today's episode, hosts Reverend Micah Glenn and Reverend Dr. Ben Hout talk theology and life as they meditate under the fig tree. What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome back to another episode of Under the Fig Tree. I'm your host, Reverend Micah Glenn. Of course, I am joined by my highly esteemed co-host, Reverend Dr. Ben Haupt. How are you, bro? I'm great, man. We're, um, we're in a whole different place. A whole different place uh, with a, an additional format. So if you're currently listening uh, to Under the Fig Tree the way you have in the past, uh, you can now... Well, you can continue to listen to us that way, but you can also now see us at, on Concordia Seminary's YouTube channel on the, under the playlist, under the fig tree, because Ben and I are now currently surrounded by cameras as well. So we're not only recording audio, but we're also recording video. So we've changed things up for you just a little bit. And we have, we have people that are um, behind the cameras that are helping us because the, the, uh, the production level is getting... Um, ratcheted up several notches because it's not just me and you doing the production. Well, so what, you know, if you've been a, a faithful listener to Under the Fig Tree or you joined us in a different season some point, when me and Ben first started recording this uh, podcast, it was during the pandemic, so he'd be at his home office, I'd be in my home office, and we would do it over Zoom. And then post-pandemic, uh, we had a really lo-fi recording studio that we put together and built together. Uh, and we would do it uh, in one of our offices. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a studio. <laughs> it was kind of like the the junk room. It, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was awesome welcoming professors up there, and and uh, we're sitting around all the cardboard boxes. And uh, some at some point we'll have to put, post a picture of where we used to record. My my favorite part of our old recording studio was when we would be like halfway in, and then I would hear a hum, and I would be like, oh, I forgot to unplug the fridge. But now, <laughs> uh, Concordia Seminary has a, a wonderful studio, yeah. uh, and so our communications team and our production team here at the seminary, they have built us this wonderful set, uh, and here we are, live in the flesh, and so if you've ever wondered what Dr. Hop looked like, now you know. Sorry about that. Um, it's really great to have uh, Dale Ward behind the camera, and also uh, Becca Lucas is uh, here with us today, too. Indeed. Um, and uh, there are just a lot of people uh, at Concordia Seminary that, that uh, support us and um, allow us to be on the camera or on the mic. Yeah, and of course, at least once, uh, probably more than once, you'll get to meet Rebecca Lucas. Undoubtedly, she'll be a guest on Under the Fig Tree. She also serves the church as a deaconess, uh, as a graduate of Concordia Seminary, does incredible work for us. And then another person who's joining us behind the scenes today is uh, John Christopher, who works for Lutheran Hour Ministries, which is where I met him. And when me and Ben first started coming up with the idea of a podcast, John helped us in uh, consulting. And here's some things that you should be thinking about. Here's some things you should do. Uh, and I'll never forget, we recorded an episode and we sent it to John. <laughs> and his response was, maybe you should try again. It's the lost episode. <laughs> Somebody's going to find that someday. And That'll uh, be the well, <laughs> and here we are now. Yeah. So grateful uh, for John. Yeah, it, you know, again, conceptually, you think about doing all these things, and then a couple of weeks ago, we were shown this set. Uh, this is the logo for Under the Fig Tree. If you've never seen it before, and I'm just, I'm just always blown away by the amount of talented people we have. A graphic designer Courtney Kroll who designed this for us yeah. uh, here at Concordia Seminary. We're so incredibly blessed. And uh, Look, we have, we have figs. Yeah. There's figs. It's, it's amazing. And so uh, away we go. And so you probably haven't heard Under the Fig Tree, at least a new episode, uh, since last December or last January. Right? It's been a bit. It's been a long while. And uh, when we first came up with this, Ben and I are both very busy people so we were, we always like kind of selected like let's think of 15 episodes let's do season by season uh but that's not no longer the case no we're we're um we're just gonna start recording episodes and uh i i think our our plan is just to keep on going we have a lot of guests that we are really excited about having on um in this upcoming whatever we're going to call this new uh format it's not really a season it's just our new approach so uh, we hope that um, that we don't 
we don't have a, a week or a month or uh, six months that we take a break. <laughs> or nine, something <laughs> yeah, like that. Something uh, like that. Yeah, I, um, I was talking to a prospective student who was here for orientation. And uh, one of the first things that she said after she met me and knew who I was, she said, when are you going to produce another episode? And I was like, Ooh. But here we are, just a couple weeks later. We, I mean, we've been called out by current students yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we don't, totally deserved it. We meet with our vicars uh, as they're going out or just before they're going out on their vicarage, and we were explaining to them how they could help us in recruiting and things like that and in our department when they're out on their vicarage to identify prospective students. And one of them, a great one, Dylan Weber, he's like, so when are you guys producing another episode of Under the Fig Tree? And I was just like, chill, bro. And I was like, we got <laughs> things in the works. We're cooking it up. Relax. We'll be, we'll be back. Shout out to Vicar Dylan. He's he's doing good work out as a, a vicar. So yeah. no, he's gonna be an incredible pastor. Yeah. I that that same student, um, as I was talking to her, um, she had her daughter along and um I started talking to the daughter and this this, this new student says uh she's in the online deaconess program. She says uh to her daughter, do, do you know who that is? Can you tell by the voice? And she's like, oh, is that Dr. Haupt? And I thought, wow, man, we, <laughs> we made it. Famous. Woo! <laughs> no, yeah. shout out to Kim. Thank you so much. Um, we're, we're grateful for our listeners. And that's, that's really exciting to be, to be um, talking with, with listeners and especially for listeners to start seminary. That's what this whole show is all about. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's a reason why there's a director of recruitment and associate provost as a host of this. I mean, that's the whole point. So if you're a pastor currently serving as a deaconess or a teacher or a layperson uh, who yourself is thinking about ministry and that's how you came across our podcast or, you know, there's somebody close to you who you think might be a great church worker. My philosophy has always been this. And this is where it comes from. Uh, when I got this position, I wrote about it in uh, Drop Your Nets and Follow Me, a little booklet on recruiting that I wrote for the seminary. Is it just just tell them, plant a seed and say, hey, I think you should be a church worker. Let that seed grow and then direct them to the podcast, uh, direct them to our website where we have different visitation events. We'd love to have them on our campus. Uh, if they're high school or younger, direct them to the other Concordias and their church work programs and uh, let us help you grow that seed because it you know, there's the whole cliche, it takes a village. Well, I, it takes a church <laughs> yeah. to raise church workers. And so let everybody do their part. Uh, and if listening to Under the Fig Tree is, is the first little sprinkle of water, uh, we're glad to be here for that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, listeners, um, if I, I want to just uh, throw something out there today um, in, in chapel as we're recording this. Um, a, a great sermon was preached in chapel this morning. Uh, by our colleague, uh, Pastor Jesse Keeker, and it, it was such a great, uh, very moving uh, testimony about the importance of church workers and the need for church workers. So um, go out to um, our, our media channels to concordiatheology.org or to um, scholar.csl.edu and find the sermon for September 15th. Uh, it was definitely worth, worth a listen. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and so we we have a, a slightly different staff now um, that at some point they'll be sitting on the couch next to us. We'll introduce you to our admissions officers, to our office manager, uh, and again, to more faculty members, uh, to some of our students, to pastors across the LCMS. There may or may not be a few famous people that make a, you know, a guest appearance on Under the Fig Tree. Uh, but we'll just see how things go. And so, uh, yeah, we, of course, are happy that you're listening. Uh, but please continue to like and share uh, the podcast with, with everybody around you. And it, even if they don't want to think about uh, being a church worker at the moment, Ben's pretty entertaining and he thinks he's, he's a funny guy. <laughs> and so, at, at, nonetheless, it, it's a very uh, just kind of relaxed, lo-fi podcast the yeah. same way it's always been. Uh, so, Ben, it's now September. And uh, again, since the last episode of Under the Fig Tree, a lot has happened. I'm still in graduate school. Uh, but even in our department, we've begin, begun to, to shake things up. And we're coming off of a, a really busy summer. Yeah, uh, it was crazy busy. It started with, for me, it started with, well, it started with graduate intensive week. but, uh, but Lots started, of reading. St and writing. Anyway, started with vocatio yeah. uh, for me. Uh, this last summer, we had 
31 high schoolers here. Uh, last summer we had 19, so it continues to grow. Uh, we have an ambitious goal that I'm not ashamed to share with everybody. So we, we also know ha have a new provost of Concordia Seminary, Dr. Ron Mudge, who you'll meet very soon, um, has told me that he would like us to have 70 high schoolers attend Vocatio next June, which immediately I begin to think of the logistics of it yep. and uh, needing additional staff and help to come manage that many high schoolers, right? But then I think about how do we how do we get 70 high schoolers here? And so soon we'll be marketing for it. And so there'll be some save the dates. But again, that's one of those things where if you've ever thought about what you could do to help the seminary and you have high schoolers in your congregation, Vocatio is free to attend. Uh, they just need to get here. And if your congregation to, could help them get here, that would be even more remarkable. It'd be, you know, remove some barriers or some burdens. And then uh, I don't want to say I'd love to have a waiting list. But I'd love oh. to have a waiting list. Yeah, there there awesome. has to be a capacity. Right? Right? We only have right. so much space. But 70 is the number, everybody. If you could help me get there, I deeply appreciate it. I, I think we should shoot for 75. Oh, man. <laughs> See, this is... Oh, you'll get it. it we'll get it. When, when this gets up on YouTube, I'm looking forward to comments. I would love to hear from you all who you think is more ambitious, me or Ben. Oh, uh, hmm. Yeah. That's an... That, I, I would be interested in in uh, in hearing the feedback on that too. Just off of what you've heard from us so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, Because yeah. I'm always labeled that way. Well, we um we we met tons of high school students this summer at the national youth gathering. Yes. We met. In fact, we we got contact information for 800 high school youth uh, who were at the national youth gathering who in some way got some of this uh, great swag from Concordia Seminary. There was this, uh, this infamous yellow fanny pack. And uh, I got to be honest, I, I was a little skeptical. I was uh, not sure about uh, bringing out the yellow fanny packs in the 80s when I grew up. Uh, that, that wasn't like a sign of fashion. There weren't a lot of people that were like, I got to get me one of those. See, again, I think this is just where you grew up. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I remember being seven years old at Six Flags when we were moving from South Carolina to Hawaii. And uh, not only did I have on MC Hammer pants, I also had on a fanny pack and felt very proud about it. Yeah. So I can I can envision it. I had the oh, MC, pa MC Hammer pants. <laughs> I, I will admit to that. Yeah. But I, I never wore a fanny pack. I still haven't. I don't think I've ever, ever, ever worn a fanny pack. And I, I insisted that at National Youth Gathering I was not going to do that. And, and I, I came away with it. There are, some, there are some pics out on the web of you with the uh, yellow fanny pack, the uh, Concordia Seminary hat on backwards. And I also look ridiculous with a hat on backwards. So. Yeah, I just gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta watch my appearance because there's some things that I just can't pull off. Or, I mean, but you could go viral, right? <laughs> and then on that maybe viral for photo, the wrong reasons, we hashtag under the fig tree, and then before you know, it, under the fig tree is viral. So sometimes, Ben, you just gotta make a little sacrifice, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, the yellow, the fanny packs were the, like the viral item. They were of the national. UK. Somebody wanted to buy one for forty bucks, right? Yeah, they offered. So, so somebody came to me. Several people came to me. Uh, one person was like, I'll give you 10. I was like, no. And then somebody else was like 40. I, and then I had to explain to him. I was, you know, our, our whole team, uh, not just enrollment team, but our communications team put in a ton of work for the National Youth Gathering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and everybody played a massive role. But with a, a very generous lack of humility, if there was a single person who put in the most work. Oh, here it comes. Exactly. It was me. I hope that Sarah and Monica are listening to this. I'm sure they are. <laughs> it was me. Uh, and so when I, I had to explain to them. I was like, you don't understand what this fanny pack means to me. Because it wasn't just a matter of ordering fanny packs with our seal on them with a, a fluorescent color. The, the amount of work that people go uh, put into uh, to making their exhibitor booth uh, an incredible thing, an incredible experience for high schoolers in our church to go and see and uh, get information about different things, but also walk home with like a little piece of the National Youth Gathering with them. It just for not, and it's not even just our team. It's the the National Youth Team at the Lutheran Church Missouri yeah. Synod's headquarters with Mark Kiesling and his team of dedicated people. It just there's just so much that goes into it, and you know we just had it. The next one's three years from now, and we're already working towards the next one. Everybody's already looking forward to the next one. Uh, 
you just you just can't have it. You can't have my fanny pack. There's no money that that could go into like my brain. Like, oh, this would be valuable enough to receive it. You know what? If you want it for a million dollars, I changed my mind. You can buy my yellow fanny pack for a million bucks. You can have it if that's the price. I here's here's what I'd like to see. I'd I'd like to see some of our listeners out there who who did get some of our our swag from National Youth Gathering this summer. I'd love to see some some pics on social media. Yeah. Take us take a pic of uh, your fanny pack or your your hat um, or uh, yeah whatever you some buttons that you got from the booth. And um, I'd I'd love for our our visitors or our listeners to to um, post yeah tag yeah. us. Let us know how you're uh, sporting that at school or whatever else when you're going out Saturday. Yep. So yeah. we, have, we had the fanny pack. We had trucker hats. We do have more trucker hats. Oh, we do. Yeah, that's right. So if you were to come visit us, say you're in college or your second career, uh, and you reach out to Reverend Jesse Keeker and Reverend Tom Schlund or Monica Rose, our office manager, and you come and visit us and entertain us in trying to convince you to become a church worker— you might receive one of those trucker hats. Uh, and if you don't, you won't. But yep. but we would love to have you Worth on Worth the campus. visit. Yeah, 100%. See our classes, see our campus. We'll win you over. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, I have a question. Um, I, I think, so we're not having a, a guest on because in some ways today uh, we're, we're the guests, right? right? Yeah, uh, exactly. The new set is the guest. Uh, but but uh, I'm interested in just catching up a little bit on, um, we, we've talked a little bit about your enrollment work, but you, you mentioned your uh, graduate work, sure. and um, I'm interested in hearing a little bit about that. What are you doing in grad work? Uh, what are you studying? Why are you studying it? What are you interested in? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, and those are a lot of different questions. So that's one of those things that um, <clears throat> I get asked a lot is why are you pursuing a PhD? Um, it, the number one reason is simply just to become a better theologian which inevitably will make me a better servant to the church. Yeah. Uh, the Bible is so deep. Uh, it's, it's so nuanced. And the more we take time to slow down, to hear the words, to digest them, and then to learn uh, Christian thought throughout time, what other Christians have been thinking about God's word, uh, from the people who wrote it to the people who were kind of immediately close, kind of early church fathers and, and forward, you just become more sharp, and then God's word, you know, strengthens your faith, and then you're allowed to bless other people through that, uh, which is number one. And then I like the sound of Reverend Doctor Micah Glenn. I won't. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. So that that might be we'll number get there. two. We'll I would there. say it's not number two, but I'm just lying to myself if I don't. Uh, so that's kind of like the the at home reason. Uh, I love, and people always ask what I love most about being a pastor. Uh, most people say preaching, and it's not to say that I don't like to preach, but I, if, if if I were in a congregation, right, and there were more than one pastor, and they say, well, one pastor preaches and one teaches Bible study, I would I would just teach Bible study, mm-hmm. and I would be just fine without preaching. Because yeah. uh, preaching is, is one thing, but that just the dynamic of engaging with people, uh, fielding questions all over the place. I wasn't going to, no bad questions, right, or anyway, no dumb yeah. questions yeah. at least. yeah. Uh, of just doing that and helping, like, you know, taking people through. And and, and I have a small group. I'm also the, the pastor of a small congregation right now. Uh, I accepted an interim role. And so we I have a small group, and they always ask a question, and I always preface it, okay, do you want the basic answer? <laughs> but it's just a, a handful of us, or do you want my long, I'm in graduate school answer? Uh, they probably want the the long answer. More times than not. It depends yeah. on the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I'm like, all right, well, just give me about five, ten minutes and and we'll get to the bottom of this. Um so yeah, it's just it's just great because again, they get they get it live. And so those are probably the, the foremost reasons. Uh I'm in our doctrinal studies department. Uh so that's uh just the, the doctrine of the church. Uh I'm actually so when you get your master's of divinity. We have like the sac- uh, Masters of Sacred Theology, and then you can get a PhD. And technically, I'm in the STM program, but I'm about to have enough credits to apply to the PhD program, uh, which is the desire, which means you have to come up with like, well, what are you going to write your dissertation on? That's right. And I, I've always been really interested in ecclesiology, which is our theology of the church. Yeah. And then missiology, uh, just because 
you know, they, to me, they go hand in hand, right? Um, Jesus says, go out and preach the gospel. That's the mission of the church is to share the gospel with everybody. But it's, it's nice to have uh, some tools to go out and do it. And, and now that, you know, when you're in one immediate context and people are different, but it's, the world is kind of the same, it's one thing, but now we have this ever-changing world. And so we have to think of uh, not, not a new message, but we just have to think of different ways of going about and being the church in the world because people are aggressive to the church uh, for one reason or another, uh, or, or there's just different cultures that we've never engaged before. Yeah. Uh, and then competing narratives, and so how do we go about do that? So I'm very interested in that. Uh, and then last term, I took a class called Pneumatology with Dr. Leopoldo Sanchez. You're going to have to define that for I was about listeners. to. Yeah, yeah. So pneumatology <laughs> is really just the, the study of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and in, in the Lutheran church, it's not that we neglect the Holy Spirit. It's just naturally, for all the right reasons, Jesus is the foremost person of the Trinity that we talk about the most Yeah. and that we study the most. And then if you're going to preach somebody, well, you preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's right. And yet... Uh, when you know we confess the Holy Spirit uh, for us here and now in the age of the church, He calls us to this through God's Word. Uh, he gathers us; He keeps us in our faith. And so, studying the Holy Spirit might have something to say about the church and how we go about the mission of the church. Uh, and so, that class was very enlightening. Uh, we'll probably have Dr. Sanchez on under the fig tree again yeah. uh, because he he did his PhD work on the Holy Spirit, uh, and he has a bunch of books on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and there's a there's a theology called spirit Christology, and it's about the work of the Holy Spirit in the in the humanity of Jesus. Now we're not going to dig into the two natures of Christ right now. Yeah, yeah, we, we'll easily, get there. We, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. Uh, but that's that's the focus of it. And I in taking that class at first, I'm not going to lie, spirit Christology really offended me hmm. and what some of the writers said. And so uh, I I won't. One of the writers was like, the Holy Spirit created Jesus. And mm. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, yeah, right? Right? Um, and so you just have to get to the bottom of what is he saying and what yeah. does he mean? Well, anyway. Uh, and so, but because all of our theology or a lot of our theology runs through Jesus, what would it look like to run some Lutheran theology through a spirit Christology lens and come yeah. up with these different models of doing things? And so that's, that's kind of where I'm headed a lot of this conversation happens in the global south and in Africa. And so uh, if you ever want to become a PhD student at the seminary, you'll get to learn German. And a lot of people take Latin. But I've opted for Spanish. Nice. Uh, just because oh, the theology, like yeah. the theology of, of what I want to pursue, yeah. a lot of it is taking place, again, south of us. And so it's been written in Spanish. And so, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, we're um, it, there's a, a whole shift. Uh, I've... I, was working with a, a graduate student from Ethiopia who uh, has been writing about and talking about how back in the day that the idea used to be uh, the West and America would, would send missionaries to places like Africa, right, yeah. or South America. Um, but, but now there's a, a huge shift, and it's, it's actually um, for sure that Africa and the global south are starting to send their own missionaries to different places. And we've even gotten to the place where, uh, and I think this is super helpful, they're starting to come back to America because we need, we need their, their mission zeal and their mission help uh, to, reach, to reach people here in the United States. And so it's not um, America sending out missionaries to all these places, but um, in many ways, them sending missionaries and us learning from them and learning with them, uh, and even them sending missionaries to help us uh, here in the United States. Well, well, not only that, I always tell people, uh, if Lutherans do something really well, it's education. Yeah. And so if you think about it, for a few generations, we've been sending missionaries and scholars South America, to Asia, to Africa, and they've set up churches, but they've also set up schools, and now they've set up seminaries and other educational institutions. And so uh, the Global South has real legitimate Lutheran scholarship taking place. Yeah. And uh, 
especially in, in modern scholarship, and there are simply things that we can learn from them. So, so Makani Jesus, one of the largest Lutheran churches in the world, <laughs> uh, because of different reasons and different missionaries, right? They were impacted by different things, by, you know, was, they're just, it's a different context, and I, I won't get into the whole history of it, but they would describe themselves as a confessional, yeah. charismatic Lutheran church, and what does that mean, and what does it look like? Uh, and, for, you know, you, you have to graduate school, so you always have to have to do a research paper. So I did mine on, on charismatic gifts because it's one of those things that we don't typically talk a lot about right. in Lutheran church. And I, I read some scholarship from Ethiopia, uh, and this scholar was like, well, yeah, they're speaking in tongues, and we have these charismatic gifts, and that's fine. But the, the main way that they uh, would define charismatic gifts is for the sake of the mission of the church. Yeah. So even if you're speaking in tongues, it's the same thing in Scripture. If you're not doing it for the sake of the kingdom, it doesn't do anything. But there's, there's this, like, just so mission-focused. Yeah. Uh, and if you're going to think about graduate study, even from the very beginning, think about where you want to go, really get that nailed down, and then you'll have to take these different classes. And in those different classes, you'll have to do a research paper. Don't do it on random things. Relate it to what you want to write your dissertation on. Start building your bibliography now. Because it... It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of work to if you you want to really be focused once you get to your dissertation. And if you start from the very beginning, you'll be there. So, yeah. I kind of run everything. Every paper I do is kind of through that church mission lens. But I love that. Um, you know, Luther once said that the you can define the church really simply and really easily. Uh, that even a, a seven year old. Uh, would know what the church is. And, and all that it is, very simply put, is uh, people listening to the voice of their shepherd, mm-hmm. right? Uh, people who, who are listening to Jesus. That's the church. Um, and so that's, that's like the simplest definition of the, of the church that you could give. And yet, um, as, as you said earlier, the, the seminary exists to really work on uh, taking that very simple definition, but it's also super deep. And there's a lot that we need to think about. Um, for example, who, who sends missionaries, who receives missionaries? And maybe it was one way one at one point in, in time, but now maybe it, it's beginning to look a little bit differently. Some things are shifting. We need to think a little bit more about how we're doing church. That's what seminary is all about. That's what I love. Um, it's we we keep that kind of childlike simplicity uh, from the small catechism, and from uh, what Jesus told us. You know, he brings a little child, and uh, says the the kingdom of God is for for just such a person. Mm. And yet, um, there's so much uh, that we need to kind of talk in depth about about the church. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So so yeah, those things all go together and. You know, you get your program, you have some electives. For instance, uh, this term I'm taking, uh, cultural anthropology, with a scholar named Ken Chitwood. And if you Google Ken Chitwood, you'll find him. Yeah, he's, he's legit. one of these, like, high-level Lutherans. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's things you don't think about, because it's not just, like, a cultural anthropology class. So the, the introductory books, because we don't do cultural anthropology for your Master of Divinity, because for that sake, it doesn't serve much of a purpose, right? And so you're just getting like the the gist of it, and then I can already see the value of it for theology. But then I yeah. can already see the value of it for what I want to do. I didn't think about it that deeply when I when I picked it. I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. It was one of those. I have an elective course. This one's interesting, but uh, it's very valuable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, we can probably have uh, some directors of the graduate school on, and we could do a deeper dive on on graduate school if if that's interesting to you guys uh but yeah so that's that's kind of where i am graduate school of course the family dorothy my wife who's a deaconess she started her ma here yeah uh not in the program i thought she would i thought she would have also become a systematician <laughs> and she's a really really good systematician but she chose practical theology yeah but, but it's that's because where it's at. She, but <laughs> <laughs> you know i had to say that it, you know shout what? out to my own department all of my classes so far have either been systematics or practical theology. Yeah. Uh, cultural anthropology. Anyway, it, there is, we, you can't, if you have all this head knowledge and you don't know how to relate it to the people, yeah. it's useless. Yep. Uh, that whole childlike faith, yep. a seven-year-old should be able to understand even the basic concepts of our deepest theology. Otherwise, it's totally useless, other than just for the a- academy. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's me. Graduate school, family, kids are big, uh, you know. 
It's fun. Yeah. So what about you, Ben? Uh, what have you been cooking up over probably, probably more than last summer? Right. Well, um, I, I have member. to, um, since you use the word cooking up, um, I'm going to take that literally for just a second right. and say that um, I just to shout out all the way back to our very first episode where we talked about barbecue. Uh, <laughs> I've actually, um, I think I've, I've perfected pulled pork. Uh, and it, it's just doing exactly what you taught me to do. So I, I can't, I t- can't take that much credit for it. But, but I've had people besides just my wife and my kids say, um, you, you've kind of uh, perfected the pulled pork. There so, you go. Um, listeners, if you want some good pulled pork or some bar- good barbecue, um, I, I think you again another reason to visit Concordia Seminary. We'll get you some swag. Um, but now we have to. D- deliver on this if we actually make the promise to our our listeners mm. but i i think we could promise that if if some listeners come and they let us know ahead of time we we probably could figure out a way to have some barbecue i'm i'm willing to bribe visitors with barbecue yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no shot about it yeah no no shame in it i just did some pulled pork i had to go back to my roots so uh, i've been barbecuing for a few years now uh me and ben when i moved in ben barbecued i remember I moved into the seminary. He pulled his cooker up next to mine. And I remember looking at that first cooker you had, and I was like, it was embarrassing. You could probably upgrade <laughs> this, and you probably have the budget to do it. Yeah. And I remember, uh, so I did a lot of research, and I had a different cooker, and I found the cooker that I advised Ben to purchase. And then we had a family reunion a summer ago, and I, I needed a big, I needed more than just the cooker I had, and I borrowed yours. <laughs> yeah, I wheeled it all the way down your road, man. That thing. <laughs> So loud and so heavy. It is very heavy. Yeah. Well, after I cooked on yours once, I looked at Dorothy. I was like, listen, I know they're just barrels of steel, but Ben's is so much better than mine. Eventually, so last summer, I, I sold mine, the old one. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Like, I, I didn't rob anybody because it is just steel at the end of the day, and who cares if it's used? But I got a pretty good return on my investment, and I, I purchased the same one that I encourage you to to buy, and it's you know, it's it coming all the way back to that that initial question that you posed: which one is more ambitious? There was no way that you were going to let me have a better cooker. Yeah, that was that was just <laughs> <laughs> we were going to do away with that real quick. Imagine that I I got the like. The, the next step up for the brand that we have. Like, oh, yeah, I got you got this one, and I went and got this one. I, yeah. Well, anyway, I thought about it, but Dorothy would have been very upset. I, yeah. I try to keep Dorothy in mind when, when I do things that's, like that. That's good. Yeah. Very, very wise. Very I'm learning. Wise. Ten years of marriage have taught yeah. me, has taught me quite a bit. So I'm, I'm cooking up some barbecue, but um, in, in the, 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 the realm of theology, I've been working on this book. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll throw out the title. Um, people have to, like... Uh, Google this, or I have to say it twice, but the guy's name is Hans Joachim Ivant. Ivant is I-W-A-N-D. He's German, right. uh, and so uh, it's not I-Wand like it would, uh, like we would maybe say in America, but Ivant. Yeah. Um, so he was a contemporary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Probably a lot of our, our listeners will know Dietrich right. Bonhoeffer, Lutheran pastor, uh, who was martyred mm-hmm. um, under the the Hitler regime? Uh, he died in I think f- 1944, shortly before um, the the um, World War II ended. Right. Um, he Bonhoeffer died in uh, in a concentration camp. Uh, so so this pastor Hans Joachim Ivant was also a Lutheran pastor, and uh, a, a friend of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Even they. They had very similar um, careers, and um, and and yet, so Ivant was uh, was also uh, jailed for a time because he was also like like Bonhoeffer. He was he was uh, decided decisively and very um, very explicit about his uh, disagreement with the Nazi regime, and he was very public about that. So he was jailed for a time, but he he wrote uh, a bunch of essays mm. about church and society. So he was, in, he was interested in church and state right. and kind of how the church relates to politics and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of people talking about that today, and I, I think that's an important conversation. But, but he, was, he was really interested in this conversation that maybe we don't talk as much about, uh, which was church and society. Uh, he, he, 
he talks about in this uh, book. So basically in the book, what, what we did is we took 13 essays that he wrote on church and society and a variety of topics that, that uh, had something to do with church and society. And we went through and translated them. They've never been translated before into English. And um, so I, I partnered with uh, two, two Germans and a guy from the Netherlands and a grad student, uh, Christian Einertsen. And um, so we produced translations, then we went through and edited them, we added lots of footnotes so that mm -hmm. people understand uh, kind of the background, then I wrote an introduction uh, to the whole volume and kind of a, a little biography of Hans-Joachim Ivant, uh, because I, I'm really interested in introducing the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to this theologian that almost nobody in America knows about. I, I've uh, been thrilled that a, a few Luther scholars are, um, are aware of, of Ivant, but lots of people in Germany uh, grew up reading Ivant. He, he had a, a series of, um, kind of like we have in our Concordia journal, uh, we have these homiletical helps, which help pastors to preach on the, the readings. Right. Um, Hans-Joachim Ivant, he ran a journal uh, called Predigt Meditationen, uh, I won't. Uh, I won't quiz you. Quiz uh, you on your German. Was preaching. Preaching uh, meditations. Meditations. Yeah. yeah. So um, he was basically doing homiletical helps for pastors way back in the day, and uh, he became kind of famous in Germany for just helping regular parish pastors who were trying to uh, work on their sermons. Uh, but he had. He was a, a voracious scholar and a really, really a thoughtful person. So um, he talks about the, the three estates of church, state, or politics. And the third one is um, what, what Luther sometimes referred to as the family, right. uh, but, but an outgrowth of the family is society. Got it. And, and so within society, uh, things like culture, mm -hmm. literature, um, education... Uh, some of those kinds of uh, so it's not it's not directly politics, but um, art and music and literature, um, all these things that get wrapped up into kind of how a people is formed. Mm -hmm. That's what he was really interested in, and he was really interested in the church uh, not being silent on those kind of things. But the church, um, he he wanted he thought that the church had kind of given up their voice of speaking into culture, right. uh, which is a huge problem. And so he was, he, he, he's working on in these essays, um, articulating reasons why the church should be engaging culture. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, if we are not, right, especially our young people who are impressionable, uh, they're going to encounter these things one way or the other. Uh, we we try to become more parochial at times, and we try yeah. to, you know, circle the wagons up, and we try to keep our kids away from these harmful things. And maybe you can for a time, but eventually in life, so, even if it's not until their adulthood, they're going to encounter it, and then they're going to look for answers somewhere. Yeah. And uh, we, we better have an answer. Yeah, that's Because right. if we don't have an answer... They're going to look for it somewhere, and we don't want them getting it from those other sources. So, yeah, that's incredible. I'll have to, I'll have to check out your book. Yeah, Give it, it should be out in uh, January, so we're okay. just finishing up proofs. I've learned how, how much work goes into uh, producing a book, uh, but it'll be out with TNT, Clark, Bloomsbury. Um, okay. So. When I remember, in part, when you were translating it, because you came across this word that he was using, Haydn. Yeah. Which... Uh, it's kind of like a, like just basic glossing it. The lexical dictionary is just like a, a pagan, right? Pagan, yeah. But what does that mean in today's society? Because paganism then wouldn't look like an outsider. Maybe that's I don't. Where, where did you land on that? I mean, so I'm yeah, interested in you've talked about it. This work, this word Haydn. So like biblically speaking, it would be yeah. a pagan. But in yeah. the 21st century, where did you guys get in to? the 21st century? I think what what Germans meant by the word Haydn. Um, were just, frankly, unbelievers. Got it. So when in America or in English now, when you hear the word pagan, you're thinking like um, devil worshipers right. or like nature worshipers, people that are 
uh, really doing some kind of far out occult, maybe witchcraft kind of stuff. Uh, but in, in Germany, when they use the word Haydn, um, it, it is kind of most directly translated as heathen. Um, but that's, that's not really a word that we, that we use a lot in, uh, in America. It sounds like an old word, right? Right. So we, we landed on the word unbelievers and there's, there's a real, um, it's kind of fun, but there's a real art to translating, uh, because you can use the word that maybe the dictionary says, well, this is what Haydn means. It means pagan or it means heathen. Um, but, but the, the art of translation is trying to understand what is the, the original author trying to say with this word? Mm-hmm. How are they using it in context? How was it understood by their original uh, readers or listeners? And then trying to capture that. Right. And really what they're just on about is uh, talking with people who don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. Which, again, comes back to the mission of the church. Yeah. Uh, the whole purpose why we need uh, laborers for the harvest. Yeah is that, uh, again, we have a big world, and we have a growing world still. And there are more and more people out there. And, you know, everybody's going to relate to somebody differently uh, or somebody who is different. And uh, I always tell people, it's kind of a cliche at this moment, we need different people to reach different people. Uh, And not these, I mean, not to say not these pagans, but not just explicitly like these unbelievers, like people who simply it's kind of bizarre to think about and cultures that we have come from to, to now. Cause even when I was a kid, I think most people were churched yeah. and that's, uh, that's changing these days. And if they're not churched, they might've heard of Christianity, but they, they actually don't know who Jesus is Yeah, and they've never encountered his word. Uh, and so they've just never been given a chance to believe. Yeah, we I um a couple of uh new students come to mind um in very different contexts like you were talking about. Right. Um there are there are unbelievers all around us and we live with them, we work with them, we um we we uh send our kids maybe to to school with them or live next to them in a neighborhood. Um so so one new student, um I mentioned Kim earlier. Mm-hmm. Kim lives uh in in a rural area. Um, she, she, um, delivers mail and, um, in her rural area, she's begun to know, uh, her neighbors and some of them, uh, don't believe in Jesus are not connected to the church. And so she's doing, she's kind of a rural missionary, uh, to these people. We have, we have another student, uh, who's from New York city, uh, Joshua, and he is, uh, he's passionate about urban ministry, uh, and he, he wants to, uh, think through, and we have a, a whole new program that Pastor Bill Wilson has put into place to help students uh, here on campus uh, to reach our own urban St. Louis uh, area and to learn urban ministry in doing it. And then there's, there's of course, plenty of people in the burbs uh, that, yeah. are, that are also reaching people, and there's people in the burbs, burbs that don't believe in Jesus too. Exactly. So different contexts, uh, very different ways of reaching people. Um, and yet, uh, it's the same, the same word, the same scriptures, the same Christ that we, that we preach to all these people. Hmm. Well, we could, I mean, again, since the last time you guys heard us, so many things have happened. Youth yep. gathering, I was on the road for most of July, various different things. Uh, the Black Clergy Caucus of the LCMS, of which now I'm the secretary. Woo! Woo! Uh, it, it, I have rolled my eyes. I shouldn't have. Uh, it is a very good thing. It's a blessing. It's an honor, first and foremost, to yeah. my brothers in Christ, because yeah. uh, it's an elected position. Saw me fit to serve on an ex- executive committee in a leadership role. We uh, all knew that you were going to get elected to something, to something at some point. Yeah. And, you'll, and I'm sure you'll get elected to, uh, to, to, to other things uh, sure. down the road. But yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that you're, you're serving in that role. That's super important. Yep. Uh, we were at the Hispanic Ministry Convention together in Orlando, uh, which was incredible. It's, it's just, again, it's one of those things where uh, we know we have brothers and sisters in Christ in different contexts from different ethnicities and things like that. Uh, but to be able to go to their space and worship with them in their space, uh, well, I, I think it's transformational. Uh, and yep. so it's, it's nice to go and see what our brothers and sisters in Christ from around the globe are doing. Uh, and then, yeah, now there's a new school year as we said it with our, our kids, but also here at the seminary, a new incoming class. 
And so uh, we're away with things. Uh, one thing that we, uh, we, we've talked about the differences in Under the Fig Tree. Uh, and instead of going on and on about barbecue or the Dallas Cowboys, which I have a feeling are going to break my heart this year, like every year, but maybe sooner than later. They always give me a little false, false hope. Yeah. And they've, they've stripped all the false hope away. So now it's just uh, despair. <sighs> anyway, uh, is, uh, so the podcast is Under the Fig Tree. And we wanted to have this segment where we just kind of like just talk about stuff. It doesn't have to be serious. It could be lighthearted. And what do you call it? And you want it to relate to your audience, to your uh, your brand, if that's a thing. And so we, we're starting a segment called Ripe for the Pickin' or Leave it on the Tree, where Ben and I have both come up with a list of things that we haven't shared with each other. They're random. And they're... We're, today, so today we're gonna we're testing it, right? We're gonna ask each other these things, but eventually we'll ask our guests, and they'll tell us if it's right for the picking, yeah, or leave things on the tree. <laughs> I'm always interested in to see what people think about certain things, uh, slightly judgmental, and yet uh, again, lighthearted and fun. So, uh, so are you gonna let me go first? I'll let you go first. All right, all right, all right, all right. right. So here's the first one: right for the picking or leave it on the tree. Fantasy football. Oh, for me, that's that's right for the picking, man. So I don't play um, on, like, FanDuel or DraftKings. Uh, I don't put money up, mostly because I don't have money to spare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you start grad school, your kids go to, to private school and things like that. And we, I, Especially I mean, when you lose, then you don't want to lose a bunch of money, right? Well, I mean, well, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm poking so, you. No, no, no. See, Micah I, doesn't ever lose. I so. play fantasy football on a different level. I never draft any from buddy from the Dallas Cowboys. They're never on my team. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. You don't. You, you don't. You pick, can't pick your favorites. No, no, no. no. You, you pick who's gonna win the league. Right. And so last week was my first week, and I won my first week. But then you know oh, people man. get hurt. Yeah. It, I will say this: it can be a lot of time. Yeah. And I have I know people who are in like seven or eight leagues. Right. I'm in one, and that's. Setting one lineup on a weekly basis, that's what I'm going to put into. I'll, it gives you – this is, this is why it's right for the picking. It gives you a different appreciation for the league. Yeah. And yeah. so on a weekly basis, I only ever want the Dallas Cowboys to win as a team. Yeah. But it, it makes you root for different players. And then you, like, you start paying attention to different players. Uh, I, like anything, right, it can become a problem for people. Um, and it can be probably addictive. And again, if you if you get into these things where money is involved, um, it, yeah, you're 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 betting your uh, family savings well, just to try to yeah, try exactly. to get a new player on your team. I I did fantasy football for a while. Like I was lucky enough to to draft Adrian Peterson once upon a time. He was that was good. Um, I, worked out for me uh, at the. <laughs> right at the point where Adrian Peterson was having a, a great peak. career. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't have time for it. Um, I'd rather read a comic book. Fair. So. I mean, Sundays, is, without fail. So my kids hate football. Uh, one day I think that maybe they'll begin to enjoy it. And so when they were little and we had just one TV and they would be down there and they'd, they'd whine and cry because football was on. I would just, like, forget I'm turning it off. You guys can have it. You've won. Um, but now – that they're older and we live in a better neighborhood, you can go out and play. Yeah. You can go play in the attic, play with your toys. You can go read a book, uh, but you're not going to sit in here <laughs> and whine about football with me. But yeah, so yeah, I like fantasy football. All uh, right, so what you got for me? Marvel Phase 4. Marvel Phase 4. Is this like a stumper? Um, no, it's the current phase of Marvel. The, so MCU Phase 4. So from... So, Endgame is the end of Phase 3. So okay. what's taking place from Endgame to yeah. now? Movies and series. How do oh, you yeah. feel about it? Yeah, very, very good. So uh, my son would be so uh, disappointed that I had to ask for help on <laughs> Phase 4. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, so that would include, uh, let's see, that would include... Um, a Far Wanda, From Home. WandaVision. WandaVision. That was, WandaVision was uh, tops for me. Yeah. That was really, really good. Um, we liked Loki. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm love Moon Knight. Oh, man. Sure. Uh, I was a huge Moon Knight fan. And that was um, – so I, I, I uh, tipped my hand already. I'm a comic book nerd. So Jeff Lemire wrote most of uh, the Moon Knight that went into M the MCU version. Got it. And I'm a huge Jeff Lemire uh, 
comic book fan. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm loving it. I, I'm kind of in the same. I love where it's going. Um, I think they're killing Star Wars. Star Wars has had some misses.Eah, right? I tried to watch Obi Wan. Yeah, Kenobi. Kenobi that was I, that was no good. I man. fell asleep. I keep yeah. falling asleep on the episodes. Know, right. I'm struggling with yeah. it. Uh, the Mandalorian was really good. Yeah. Um, but but Fett? Book of Boba Fett was kind of a downer. Um, yeah. It was kind of cheesy. The the like colorful speeder bikes. Right. Uh, that looked like um, little mopeds. Um, it, it was ridiculous. Chasing the old gang. Yeah. Out, like, it was no, like a really no. cheesy country yeah. western, wasn't it? Yeah. So so yeah, we we've um, we've kind of uh, Marvel has been kind of uh, tipping the scales for us, and of course Rings of Power. Uh, so well, I didn't ask, and it's not on. Yeah, <laughs> I know, no, right? It, I can quickly jump from Marvel to. It uh, is really good. Yeah, though. It's I've really been good. enjoying Rings of yeah. Power. I, you know, again for most of Phase Four, I'm on board. And like WandaVision, I'm hope like so the first couple episodes of WandaVision were real tough to watch. Yeah. And I and Dorothy stopped watching, and, and once I got to episode three, I was like, okay, no, you need to come back. And yeah, you need to yeah, watch. yeah. I was like, just, so good. Just get through it. I was like the cringy parts, and then. No spoilers, but as as that arc continues into the future, you see why. Yeah. How do you feel about She-Hulk though? Have you been watching it? So, I I I like Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. Um, I watched her uh, her show Orphan Black. Okay. And um, there's there's a few parts in it that I would not recommend uh, kids to to watch that show. Sure. Um, it's definitely an adult show, but um, she's an amazing actor. And um, so I've only seen parts of She-Hulk. The boys have had it on. They right. they've kept uh, current on it. Um, I think she's a great actor. Uh, I'm I'm interested in uh, getting into that, but I haven't haven't watched it yet. Um, I, I, we'll see. Uh, well, we'll keep I, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep it moving. So so here's my next one. This is this is also a softball. Okay. Um, video games. Oh yeah, right for the picking. Now I'll say this though. Like so. I don't know if we've talked about this. Different video games. Uh, we're probably in different spaces. Uh, I like first-person shooters. I like. I mean, I've grown up with Nintendo, Mario, and all those yeah. other different consoles for a long time. It was like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat for me. Uh, but then with Xbox, Halo, like the Halo series, yeah. up through really through Halo Three, I played like all. I've I haven't actually the most recent Halo, Halo Infinite. I haven't played just because they lost me. Um, the worst. The worst grades that I got in seminary were because Halo had just come out. Got it. And uh, my second year of seminary, I, I, I did get a, a lower grade because I, I played too much Halo. I, it wasn't, I wasn't like almost ready to, to flunk out, but definitely you could, you could see there's a little blip on my transcript. Sure. And, and I point that to, that was the Halo blip. Well, eventually I made a transition to Call of Duty yeah. uh, from Halo, which is what I currently like. So, you know, same thing, like time-wise. Like I have friends that play like still like RP games that just take too much time, and I don't have hours a week to right. play. I might be able to get on for like you know an hour here or there, so I need to be able to play a game that you just jump in and you play it. And so I've been playing Warzone. There's a new Call of Duty coming out, which is good because we're, like the first person shooter economy for consoles right now isn't that great. Hmm. And so like we're still playing the same Call of Duty but nobody's enjoying it anymore. Hmm. It's only because we need to scratch the itch to play a video game. So, yeah. No, right for the picking. I love video games. I Like, I would definitely play more if I had more time. I wish, for my kids' sake, my Johnny's really into Minecraft. I, I wish I liked it more. Yeah. I just, it's just not for me. And maybe me and Johnny just need to play the game together and, like, try to beat the game. Because yeah. you can beat it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Maybe, but I, I don't. I do like Dungeons, though. Dungeons is a fun oh, yeah. game, if yeah. you've ever played. Yeah, yeah, that's so. a good game. All right. Uh, here's a little bit of a curveball, I, I think, but maybe not so much. Shorts that go below your knee. Hmm. I think I'm going to say leave it on the tree. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm pulling that off, man. Um, I, now, I'm not, I'm not a shorty short guy either. Sure. Um, I... That is uh, that. That's not for me either. But, but uh, yeah, I I don't mind shorts. Um, but I'm I'm definitely not like uh, I'm no nobody would look at me and say, "Oh, he's like a California surfer dude." Sure, <laughs> I should have asked you jean shorts. Anyway, jean shorts. Like back in the day, jean shorts. That was that was what I I knew. Yeah. Uh, 
We, Do you I still grew have up a pair? In the country, no. Okay, no. I was, I was, no. So, like, you know what? Like, growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm offended that you asked me if I still had jean shorts because <laughs> you wondered, you weren't sure. Well, we only ask questions about things we're curious about. I was, uh, I wonder if Ben does have a pair of jean shorts Yikes. in his closet somewhere. Like back in the day, like I would like. Not only did I need shorts to go past my knee, but even when I was sitting down, I didn't. I don't know. I don't even know why I didn't want my knees to show. But now, <laughs> same thing. Like no short shorts, and like I almost only exclusively wear athletic type shorts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when it's summer in St. Louis, right? You That's don't crazy. want heavy clothes on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, you never know how people are. But I think there's still uh, people out there. That I think if you ask them how long their shorts need to be, I think they would still think they need to go past their knees. But styles change, people. Styles change. Show those yeah. knees off. Everybody yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to see them, uh, even All if right. they're knobbly. So, so here's the uh, yeah, knobbly for sure. Uh, I, I felt that dig. Um, so, so here's my my last one, um, and maybe this is the curveball. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how you answer this one. So, ripe for the picking or leave it on the tree. Wine. Oh. oh, I got him. I, I Just I, be honest. I got to leave it on the tree. <laughs> That's what I thought you'd but, say. But so it's not because <laughs> it's not because I can't enjoy a fine wine or I mean, if it's the right cheap wine. I, it's all about flavor to me and, and the, the taste. But here's so I'm not a heavy drinker. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I've gone through my days of being in my 20s and things like that. Uh we might have said on the show before, I have uh, autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and I take a ton of medication for it, uh, and I have to get blood work. They check my kidney function, my liver function, and I've already got all of that going on. So I began to dial back drinking a long time ago anyway. Uh, and so now, well, I mean, just not that long ago, I had a beer, and I was intoxicated from a beer. So a glass of wine. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> see i wasn't slurring my speech i wasn't like wasted right but i right you felt it uh, a glass of wine will get me tipsy but uh, I, you know you take these medications my my stomach yeah. is like sensitive to like tannins and red wine yeah and so if i have more than a half glass i might get sick so for that reason alone because fair, i don't drink a lot, because alcohol isn't a part of my life and i really like whiskey i'll leave wine on the tree fair enough fair All enough right. You know how I feel about it. I run the Concordia Wine Society yeah, for our yeah. listeners that may not know. So Ben um, is a wine snob. <laughs> There's no shortcuts around it. I, if if I can drink more expensive wine than less expensive wine, I will always look for the 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 more expensive bottle. My wife has to um, rein me back in a little bit because give you a budget for me. For me, wine is worth uh, splurging on. Well, so and here's and here's a. Somebody wise once told me, buy it nice or buy it twice. Yeah. And like, listen, I, this isn't an offense to anybody's budget. Live within your means. But yeah. if you have the means and there's a thing that you like the most, go for, for the nicer version of it. So I, since because like, you know, people have, all of us are going to have a thing. You have your wine. I'm a sneakerhead. And I probably buy way too many sneakers. Um, in fact, if you ask Dorothy, she would say, yes, I buy too many sneakers. <laughs> so you have wine, I have sneakers. But even when I'm not buying sneakers for fashion, if I'm buying them for running, I, can't, I, don't, I won't buy a $40 pair of running shoes. Yeah. I, get, I get the $150 running shoes because they're built differently. Yeah. The, the midsoles are different, the way they fit on your feet. And uh, again, I have this disease that affects my joints. I want to be comfortable on the road, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way with clothes. You just, you just get to a stage in life where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to invest in myself yep. and look and feel good all right ben last right for the picking or leave it on the tree see I, I have a whole list of things i was gonna ask you another fashion one but i'm not gonna ask you another fashion one i'm gonna That's go probably good. a different direction and i already know the answer to it but i want the world to know hot wings <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be specific and say Nando's, but everybody might not know what Nando's is. Yeah, Nando's yeah. is leave it on the tree 100%. So offensive, so offensive. So, yeah, yeah, hot wings. Don't go to Nando's. It's just delicious. listeners, just, um, yeah. Treat yourself. Don't don't listen to my wings. I was peri, so, peri under, so underwhelmed get, get, at my uh, get some wings. No, no, uh, no hate to anybody if they, they love Nando's. But, delicious. you know, wings, 
it's that's actually an interesting one for me. So um I'm I'm actually gonna say this might surprise you, but I'm gonna say ripe for the picking. But but then you you know uh, what's coming right. I have to um, tell our listeners. So <laughs> I have a lot of things that make me weird and quirky. Uh, but sweating, yeah, at anything spicy, dude. I ate I got some barbecue ribs one time uh, when I was on vacation, and I was <laughs> I was sweating so bad. I had all these napkins and I was dabbing my face. And the the table next to us, I I see the the server come over and they say. What is he having? Oh yikes! And they're pointing at me, right? And she looks over, and they're all laughing because my wife tells me you you have little bits of napkin like stuck in your beard. Yikes! <laughs> because so I sweat profusely I've when there's any kind of spice, but but I actually don't hate it. Sure. So um, I have to just like pay attention to who I'm with because I'll just embarrass them tremendously if. Uh, if I'm just eating, like, oh, that's just like some black pepper um, in the in the sauce. Like black pepper will get me every time, uh, but I don't I don't mind it. Sure. I just, it, in fact, I can actually feel my pores opening up right Getting now. Ready to sweat just thinking about my it. my forehead's probably glistening. Uh, yeah. Well, because I, I remember like when I first gave you a barbecue rub recipe. <laughs> It had a bunch of black pepper, and you were like, well, I made it, but I took the black pepper out. Yeah. I was like, bro, that's that's the bark. What are you doing? And then you explained it to me, and then I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a time when our, our staff was a little bit smaller, and me, you, and Sarah, we went to uh, Soul Taco. Right. And you had a little bit of heat in your bowl. And I just remember, like, seeing it visually, like, you said it was coming. You told us you were oh, yeah. but like still watching it. I'm not gonna lie, man. I was a little concerned for you. My my face gets like beet red. If it, it's really spicy, I'll even get splotchy, like the white white splotches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I thought you were gonna give the same response to my wine. Yeah. Just because I I don't like to be uncomfortable. But, yeah, yeah. But hot wings are good, man. I had some any any opportunity for me to get hot wings. I always enjoyed um, like going out with the youth group when I was a pastor. Like they would, they would order me hot wings. We'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever, and they'd make me eat the spiciest Just stuff. And it. it was kind of like entertaining. Yeah. And I, it's a, it's kind of a weird way for me to help people laugh and for me to even laugh at myself a little bit. So I don't mind it. I, it's like sometimes, not gonna lie, I have to like go home and. Uh, yeah, clean up after <laughs> spicy wings because they're just sweat everywhere. Um, sorry, listeners, but um, hey. yeah, that's that's me. We're only human. This well, is going to be a fun season, man, or a fun uh, a new way of. I, I don't even know if season is the right word, but I'm really know. excited to get back to the podcast and just getting stuff out every week. And I, I'm excited to hear do to write for the picking or leave it on the tree. Yeah, uh, with some guests and. Ask them some more difficult ones. Yeah, exactly. I've got a running list on my phone. I'm just going to keep adding to it as uh, I think about them. I, I, they, they come at random moments. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's the best time. Well, uh, any, any last thoughts on this first episode back? I'm just so excited to be back. I'm so thankful to our colleagues for this beautiful set and uh, for all the extra work that's going to go into uh, getting this podcast out both uh, – audio but also video yeah and um i mean i i feel like uh we're we're kind of we've we've kind of made it people our colleagues were like maybe this is a thing and maybe we maybe we need to like up the game a little bit sure yeah so if if you if you're a listener and you're going to continue listening that's that's perfect but like you should take a moment and go to concordia seminary's youtube page and and just to see this 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 backdrop for us uh, today was our first time seeing it. Yeah, when I they know, were right? when they were building the set and they were getting this ready for us, this was a, just a white piece of paper. Yeah, with our logo right. on it. We were ready to start, and with I was that. cool with that. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. we come and it's all nicely stained and this beautiful logo and there's lights behind it. Yeah, it's I felt unreal. like man, I'm not quite worthy for the for the set, but uh, yeah. It's exciting. Are. So so go to our YouTube channel yes. and smash that like button. Just mutilate I, that like button. Like, subscribe, turn on the bell so you get notifications when we upload new videos. Uh, share the podcast with everybody you know. Uh, when you see an episode on uh, the post for it on our Instagram page for Concordia Seminary or Facebook, please like them and then uh, share if you don't mind. Uh, help us get under the fig tree out there uh, so that more people who 
might be on the fence but just need to hear a different voice talk about their journey to ministry that yeah. could resonate with them uh, because that's something we do with our guests when we bring them on we ask them about their journey to ministry and you just never know whose story is gonna click with somebody else's story and then yeah you this is this is be be prepared to see a lot of ben yeah <laughs> uh well thank you for awesome. turning into under the fig tree uh for this brand new setting again uh we look forward to seeing you next time all right thanks